0: Hello and welcome back to the Addicted to Healthy podcast, your one-stop destination for all things health and a kick-ass life. I'm Laurence, a certified nutritional practitioner and health coach, and the host of the Addicted to Healthy podcast. So today I have a special guest with us, uh, Vanessa Dugan, so she's a pelvic floor physiotherapist. And having struggled with weight and body image since a young girl, Vanessa bounced around between restricted eating, overindulging, and fad diets during her 20s. Always a natural athlete, she just didn't understand why she was meant to be hefty when others seemed to slim down with ease. So after an angry outburst at nothing, she finally realized she needed to look after herself, which meant taking her fitness and health seriously. She finally developed a way to eat sustainably, lose the weight, gain more energy, and learn to love the skin she lived in. Since that momentous turn in her journey, she delivered a healthy baby girl, kept her sunny perspective on her body image, and was able to compete in her first bikini body building competition. She now has a new baby boy and has returned to preparing for her next competition. She is passionate about helping other moms rehab their post-baby bodies to return to efficient and effective exercise routines that will not do damage to their core, while also teaching them how to take the guilt out of eating. Lose the mom pooch for good without restriction, our fat programs, is her motto, and I'm so excited to dive into pev- pelvic floor health with her today. We're going to go over what it is, how to use exercises, uh, pelvic floor exercises for your health, um, to improve your fitness, and also for motherhood. So today I have Vanessa Dugan on the show. She's a pelvic floor uh, physiotherapist, and I didn't really have any knowledge about this um, before meeting her. So I'm super excited to dive into this today. Welcome, Vanessa, on the
1: podcast. Thank you so much, Laurence. I'm so happy to be on here because its I really love the message that you're sending for women out there. So I'm so happy to kind of share my little side piece of what you're doing.
0: Thank you. I'm super excited to get into this because uh, I've been looking into what you're doing and I think it can really help people, especially in my niche with PCOS. And it's something that not a lot of people know about. So this is going to be a really cool topic.
1: Cool. I'm so excited.
0: (laughs) So I just wanted to start off a little bit with, you always ask this to uh, people I have on the show. What is your story and how did you get into the health field?
1: Oh, that's, that's a good question. Um, Well, my story is I have, if we go way back, um, as a kid, I always knew I wanted to help people. And the only way I knew how to help people was by what I was good at, which was science. I had a lot of brains and science meant I had to become a doctor. So my whole childhood through teenagerhood, even through university, I was just thinking medicine, that's the, that's the route I was going to take. That's what I was going to be. I was going to be an OBGYN. For whatever reason, I just felt called to do that, and in the end, I got a lot of doors closed to my face, and it was kind of a really dark time for me to to realize that that wasn't the path that I was meant to be. But in the end, I, I found physiotherapy and I studied it and I went to school for it and I found uh, as I was finishing my education that there was this whole specialization in pelvic floor, which was exactly what I wanted to do was help women specifically. So it was kind of a roundabout way to get to Where I am today—to think that I wanted to help people thinking medicine was the way, to ending up becoming a physiotherapist and specializing in women's health and pelvic floor, to now working more in the online realm because I want to help even more women because it's just an an area that not many people are aware of, and just being aware of it makes a huge difference in women's lives.
0: For sure, I think it's something that's not spoken about a lot at all. Um, Mm -hmm. Did you have any like health? issues around this kind of topic or were you just interested in it through your research?
1: Funny enough, I think I was just always interested in helping women specifically. I didn't have any specific issues. I had um, from diet, had suffered from amenorrhea back in the day. And it's something that people just kind of pushed off saying like, oh, even my doctor told me like, oh, it's normal. You just lost your period. It just takes some time which is scary to think that was my own doctor telling me that. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it's just, I kind of had a little bit of health stuff, but nothing that really drew me directly. I think that drew me directly to study pelvic floor. But as I became a mom, it became uh, more apparent to me about the lack of knowledge that moms had because it just, I dove into the mom world. And I realized a lot of the women didn't know what I was talking about.
0: Yeah, and we'll definitely get into that motherhood and how the pelvic floor health is linked. But if you want to start off by kind of explaining what is the pelvic floor, what does that include and entail?
1: For sure. Sure. I find it, I always love to le- use pictures, so I'm going to use my words the best way that I can. <laughs> so the pelvic floor is, is essentially what it sounds like. It's the floor of your pelvis. The bottom of that bony part of your pelvis is kind of a hole if you just look at the bones. The pelvic floor is, are the muscles and the ligaments that cover that hole. They are, the, they are what support your organs. It sits at the bottom of your pelvis it supports the lower organs, it's the exit point for urination and defecation as well as a sexual center. It plays an important part of stabilizing movement um, around the pelvis and the hip joints. But the important part is that it's, it's just covering the, the, it's where your upper body rests on your lower body. So it's a, a very important joint spot in your body. It's a part of the larger core system. And the way that I always describe the core system is like kind of a, a, a pop can, where if you look at a pop can, the top uh, of the pop can is your diaphragm. The bottom of the pop can is your pelvic floor, that floor of that can. And the middle, the I guess the surrounding tin is made up of your abdominals and the musculature of your back. So in a sense, the middle of your body from just underneath your ribs to where your genitals are that's all a pop can that's what you can simply look at it as and in the middle of it is all the organs that you have i love the the visualization
0: that really helps
1: (laughs) i know like i love the pop can analogy like everyone always like oh that makes sense (laughs)
0: yeah everyone can visualize a pop can
1: (laughs) yeah exactly um and the reason why i always talk about the public floor is it's such an important thing to understand because it's not like uh the bones in your body it's not like something that's a solid structure it's really adaptable and it's dynamic it moves it changes over time um it's more like a trampoline versus like a cement floor so it it's adaptable to different things it's not just a cement floor that's holding everything up and solid because it needs to be able to open it needs to let you pee and poop and have sex so it's a very very dynamic structure and that's why it's so important to understand what it's doing
0: yeah so the functions are around uh, urination bowel movements and sexual health so obviously those are all um very important functions in the body (laughs) Um, so what would be like pelvic floor exercises then what does that do for this area
1: Sure. Um, Usually when I start to talk about pelvic floor exercises to anybody, the first thing that they think about, if they think of anything at all, is Kegels. Because that's what we're all kind of told when we're working on our pelvic floor health, When we're working on strengthening that area around your vagina is Kegels. And if you don't know what Kegels are, they're essentially um, a strengthening of that pelvic floor muscle. What that, or the group of muscles, what the pelvic floor does when you squeeze those muscles is they close all the openings and they pull up into your body. So the way I often describe it is if you know where your sit bones are, and if you're sitting, this is pretty easy. If you're sitting, you can stick your hand underneath your bum and you'll feel two bony spots under each bum cheek. Those are your sit bones. Your pelvic floor sits between those two spots and covers uh, all the way up the front until you reach another bony spot. When you squeeze those pelvic floor muscles, they they act in a way that they're kind of squeezing inside towards the middle. So kind of vaginally, if you think, and they're pulling in. So when you're doing pelvic floor exercises, you're working on squeezing those muscles just like in that action. But at the same time, you also have to work on exercises to... Release those muscles because even though we need them to be nice and strong to support the organs, um, as I mentioned before, they also need to be nice and flexible to allow yourself to go poop or pee, to urinate, to defecate, to have sex. If they weren't flexible, then you wouldn't be able to do those efficiently. And then from there, we talk about exercises for the pelvic floor just become more progressively harder so think about doing the same action of doing a pelvic floor contraction except while you're doing something so whether you're lifting something heavy whether you're running whether you're walking anything that you're doing in in the everyday activity of your life you want to make sure your pelvic floor is able to keep up with that
0: and so if you don't regularly exercise it is this where you see it wears down over time or people have problems like going to the bathroom by themselves things like that
1: yes so the problem is most of us are born with like an innate ability to just tune into our pelvic floor and understand how to squeeze it when we need to squeeze it or how to relax it when we need to relax it. Sometimes for some people, for whatever reason, they either uh, squeeze it too tight all the time. So it's kind of like you're lifting a weight or you're squatting against a wall for hours on end. Your legs are just, the muscles are just so tight and burning Or on the opposite side For whatever reason, you've lost that connection to your pelvic floor muscles, whether you just don't use it all the time, you're more of a sedentary person, so then they become really, really weak. And that's when you start to have these problems like um, whether you're incontinent of urination or uh, incontinent of bowel movements, whether you have painful sex, whether you have um, pain around your pelvis or your hips, that's when you start to have more dysfunction around there.
0: Before we get into some of the exercises, we, try, we talked a little bit about Kegels, but I want to see if there's obviously other ones. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just have a question pop up. Um, what about men? So we're talking about women's health yeah. primarily, but yeah. what about men? Is it kind of like the same exercises? Are they different? Um, how does it differ?
1: And yeah. At its very core, it's pretty much the same. Uh, the only difference is obviously women have an extra opening so where we our muscles have to separate to to give space for the vaginal opening men don't their muscles are actually kind of if you think about it they're kind of stitched along that line Mm -hmm. so men don't tend to have the same problems that women do because unfortunately as women we kind of have this weaker spot if you will where things can kind of get a little bit looser because we have this extra opening i do i have seen men and i have treated men um their exercises come along pretty much the same way. It's almost just a different cueing technique. Women respond better to a certain visualization and cueing than men do. I don't know why that is, but it just seems to, be, to work a little bit differently. Um, but for the most part, it's very basics. Men and women are the same when it comes to the pelvic floor and the basic exercises.
0: And so what are these exercises? We talked a little bit about Kegels, but are there lots of them? Like how Mm – what are the other exercises?
1: So in terms of exercises, what I start women with when um, I'm working with them at any point in their life is we start with the basics of Kegel. So they need to be able to understand how to engage their muscles properly because a lot of times – well, not a lot of times, but I do encounter women who think that they're performing a Kegel. What they're actually doing is they're almost – actually bearing down so instead of having that um, those muscles come together and come in towards your body they're kind of having this bulging out action and they can't tell that difference so the first thing is just being able to recruit those muscles such that you're doing the right movement squeezing together and in and after that it's more of an endurance so you're squeezing together and holding it for a certain amount of time and getting better at it Then it's speed. So how fast can you recruit those those muscles and relax them? So it's more like a squeeze, relax, squeeze, relax, squeeze, relax versus just a gentle squeeze and hold. Um, And after that, (laughs) it gets really complicated in terms of like adding movements. So some things that I would tell someone to do would be to be able to engage their pelvic floor muscles while lying on their back, while doing like a dead bug exercise, or engage your pelvic floor muscles when they're on hands and knees and doing an exercise called like a bird dog or engage those muscles while they're doing a plank or engage those muscles while they're doing a squat. It just depends on how far along they're they're, They are with their ability to contract their pelvic floor. And on the reverse side, a lot of the exercises we do at the start have to do with just practicing breathing. Because as I mentioned at the beginning, we're a pop can, and the top of the pop can is our diaphragm, which is an important piece of when we breathe in and out. So if we get that part down right, if we're breathing properly using our diaphragm, then we're changing the pressure in the pop can. And we need to learn how to do that at the beginning. We need to learn how to have a full inhale using our diaphragm rather than all being in the ribs in order to get a good pelvic floor contraction and a good core strength and stability
0: and so are so, there some sorry keep going
1: yeah go ahead <laughs> are, there, are
0: there some exercises like something that just comes up for me and that i've already read about and done <laughs> is like if yeah. you're going um to the bathroom to urinate and if you kind of um use your muscles to stop the flow midway is that like uh-huh. a kind of first exercise people can do at home to kind of experiment with it or are there other ones that you know that they don't really need um someone to show them like they can kind of start on their own?
1: Yep. So oftentimes what I'll tell everyone is the, the bathroom test or the the stopping the urine flow test is a great test, but not to do it as an exercise. So I, what I mean by that is we're, we're a bunch of signals in our body. If every time we go pee, we're squeezing, we're changing our brain connection to our bladder, to our sphincters so if we're always closing off when we're going pee our brain is going to think that it needs to close off every time we go pee which isn't true so great test but by all means only use it as a test not as an exercise that's actually a great way to get started to feel to understand whether you can engage the prop, the muscles properly if you can stop the flow of urine you know you have a right engagement and you can kind of cue into what that feels like to, to get those right pelvic floor muscles once you use that, then it's simply a matter of doing those exercises while you're lying down or doing your those Kegel exercises that stopping the urine flow while you're sitting and always doing it in a way that you're not distracted. A lot of people will tell me like I do it when I watch TV or when I'm driving the car and I'm like, uh, <laughs> it's not the greatest because the unfortunate side about the pelvic floor muscles is you can't see them. It's not like I can tell you to flex your bicep. And you can visually see what you're doing. You can see your arm movement. It's pretty a simple thing to to do. But if I tell you to squeeze your pelvic floor muscles, you can't see what you're doing. You're really going by feeling. And feeling is the only way you're going to understand and tell whether you're doing something well or whether you can kind of squeeze those muscles, but then they start to relax without you wanting to do that. So in terms of the very basic exercises is... Start with a test of seeing if you can stop urine flow, seeing um, if you can control that. And then using that same sensation of what it felt like to stop the flow of urine, you use that in a seated position without any distractions, being able to, again, cue into stopping the flow of urine, see if you can squeeze, hold for a count of five, and then relaxing again. And same thing goes for a little bit further back in the pelvic floor um, to recruit more of the things that are further back. You can also cue into uh, stopping, as if you're stopping yourself from passing gas, the same type of pelvic floor movement. You want to squeeze those muscles, hold for kind of five, or two to five, and then relax back down. The key being that when you're just isolating the pelvic floor muscles, you don't want to see other things moving. So if someone's looking at you, they shouldn't be able to tell that you're doing it. They shouldn't see your legs shaking, and they shouldn't see bum clenching. You shouldn't, nobody around you should be able to tell that you're actually doing a pelvic floor contraction.
0: And so we can use these exercises, obviously, for general health, but we can also use them for things like PCOS, fertility, and endometriosis. So what's the link with um, pelvic floor health and those types of conditions, especially like hormonal disorders in women?
1: Yeah. So specifically with um, endometriosis and PCOS, well, and a little bit stronger with endometriosis because the pain aspect that women often feel and report is over time – Um, with that amount of chronic pain, your pelvic floor muscles actually start to tighten up. So if you think about it, like you have a sore shoulder, you kind of tense things around your shoulder because you're protecting it from, you're trying to protect it from the pain Mm -hmm. over time. These super tight muscles will actually cause their own pain. And again, you could think of it like a tension headache when you have, you have this headache, but the pain is actually coming from the tight muscles behind your neck they're causing that pain. So same thing can happen with the pelvic floor with like a really, really tight muscle, it'll feel like a lot more different types of pain. So there are reports of women who practice a little bit more of a massage technique of their pelvic floor or a relaxing technique of their pelvic floor to relieve a lot of their pain that isn't necessarily associated with their endometriosis anymore, but is actually associated with the muscles of the pelvic floor. And what I mean by these relaxation techniques is these simple visualization tools, again, because you can't see these muscles, you're using a lot of sensation and and feeling what you're feeling between your sit bones. What I often recommend is is practicing yoga breathing in a position that's a pelvic opening position, something like happy baby or a a semi-squat position, but you're comfortable lying on your back with your legs up on the wall out in a V, kind of this open position and have practicing just this deep deep breathing or belly breathing, um, I think there's other words for it, but essentially you're just trying to breathe down into your pelvic floor as if you're applying pressure from the inside so you're relaxing those muscles. That is, and with PCOS it's along the same lines when there's pain associated with the PCOS, not everybody will have it, but if you do or if you have this pain that that's, you cannot pinpoint whether it's low back pain, whether it's pain around your hips, um, around your thighs, around your abdomen. Sometimes it's actually more referred pain that's coming from your pelvic floor that doesn't have to do with um, the internal organs at that point. And so just practicing these relaxation techniques to relax the pelvic floor will actually help the pain. Um, That's the biggest link with endometriosis and PCOS in terms of having a healthy pelvic floor is more the relaxation side. But there are those who also suffer from um, some sort of bladder dysfunction, like incontinence, um, difficulty eliminating, whether it's urine or bowel movements. Um, Then that case, again, you're working on strengthening, as I mentioned, those exercises, and relaxing so that you have a fully functional pelvic floor. And I think if you look at the research, a lot of times uh, endometriosis, PCOS, and the pelvic floor are all pretty linked. And what we're trying to do is just manage the symptoms of all of those when it comes to the pelvic floor so that we're not adding on to the burden of having those disease processes already.
0: Awesome. Yeah, it's definitely something that people don't really think about. Uh, we kind of think about mm. um, supplements, of course, medications, um, nutrition, but then we don't think about strengthening those muscles and that does make sense thinking about relaxation techniques um and trying to just relax that area a little bit yeah so definitely a great thing to include i definitely love happy baby poses <laughs> it feels so
1: good <laughs> it's so nice even if you don't have a problem <laughs> oh yeah
0: for sure it's one of my favorite poses <laughs> yeah. And then going into motherhood, I know you do have experience with this as well, so it's gonna be great to kind of talk about this. Um, So, strengthening pelvic floor muscles would, I imagine, obviously help um, with the labor process, but how does that um, affect pregnancy and motherhood before and after?
1: So, before having, even thinking about getting pregnant, you wanna make sure you have a nice, healthy pelvic floor because even in your body as it is now, now imagine putting like a watermelon in there. How is it going to respond to that? Is it going to be, um, is it going to withstand that increased pressure? A lot of moms will complain of, of incontinence during pregnancy, which is quite common, but again, it shouldn't be the norm. It actually is something that you can prevent from happening by having a strong pelvic floor ahead of time, a strong and flexible pelvic floor. So if you're doing a lot of the exercises about Just the basics and the simplest of engaging your pelvic floor during heavy lifts while you're, um, I don't know, usually it's, my example is always picking up kids, but if it's before kids, you could be picking up somebody else's kids or picking up a heavy grocery bag or something along those lines. Being able to engage your pelvic floor muscles while you do those things at the same time being able to relax it and having just control over how turned on those muscles are during different movements you'll be way ahead of the game when it comes to going through pregnancy and then going through labor and delivery. That's such a big thing that people learn as they're pregnant and they'll suffer through pain. And again, most people just think it's part of pregnancy and they kind of just let it happen when they could just address the problem and actually have a happier, healthier pregnancy and even a better delivery.
0: So did you practice that with your own health? Did you see a difference with that? Or did you practice it? I don't know how many kids you have. I have two. (laughs) Did you you practice it with both of them or just one?
1: So I didn't suffer for both my pregnancies. I didn't have any incontinence. Um, I was fairly active throughout both of them. And I was aware of engaging my pelvic floor muscles on a fairly regular basis. I wouldn't say that I was doing it daily, but I was very in tune in terms of being able to to contract them and how well I was contracting them because you want to have that type of awareness because it was, it was good in in a way that I could use myself as a test because after labor, after I had my babies, I was able to try to recruit those muscles again and feel the massive difference from just going through labor and delivery. Like you have to have that understanding because once you have the baby, if you're starting fresh, never done anything before and then you have your baby you're kind of starting off at this weak spot because you don't really know what it feels like to have a normal regular strong pelvic floor contraction if you've never done it before
0: so another thing i want to get your opinion on is the jade egg so i've learned about in nutrition school read about it and just want to get your opinion on it i've seen that it's been helpful with like strengthening the muscles around the vagina and helping for things like labor so what is your opinion about it
1: so i did have there's like um there's weighted balls i think um like Kegel balls i think that i've heard them call i've heard of the jade egg or the i think i've heard it as like a yoni egg as well yeah um it comes by lots of different names when it comes to so i can't speak to the um the claims i guess of the actual material of what you put in there because that's from what i've read i've seen about jade having certain properties so i can't really speak to that part of it but when it comes to just inserting something vaginally and having it sit there i could say that i haven't done it myself but i never recommend it to any of my clients and the reason being is that we do enough work just supporting our organs and supporting ourselves through daily life. It's not really a functional thing to put something in there and seeing if you can hold it because you're not really kegling all day. You sh- you shouldn't be kegling all day because your muscles need to have that flexibility. If you put something in there, it's 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 like if I gave you like a fifty pound sandbag to hold throughout the day just because I thought it would make you a little bit stronger. You're gonna hold that fifty pound sandbag but your muscles are gonna be super fatigued by the end of even like I don't know, half an hour or something. It's not really something that you would have to do all day long. So we don't have to do it. It's not really going to make us stronger. Um, I see it as more of a way to really fatigue those muscles and, and feel like you've done something. But I don't really see too much benefit from it. I did have a colleague who used them, and she was she used them after having three kids, and she said she couldn't. Well, she had no symptoms. She had no prolapses, no incontinence, nothing like that but just trying to keep those balls in, she said she just couldn't. It was like impossible because your bodies are, our bodies are so different. It just doesn't make sense. So in, in like a short way of saying it, I'm not a fan.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you addressed that because I learned about it in nutrition school and I was just like, I, they should have filmed my face during the whole time. I, was just like, I don't, this doesn't feel good. Like I wouldn't want to do that. So yeah, I'm glad, yeah. That, I'm glad that I have, um, an argument about not using it, but yeah, (laughs) I'm glad. Yeah. It
1: just takes, it it takes like a little bit of understanding to know like exactly why, if I'm like, if I'm not going to walk around with a 10 pound, walking around with a 10 pound weight over my head, walking around, my pelvic floor is not going to have to do the same thing. It does enough work just supporting what's already in there.
0: (laughs) That's definitely a good uh, way to look at it. Yeah. (laughs) Total sense. And so what about fitness? So does your pelvic floor health help improve your fitness? How are the two linked? And how do you use that in your practice?
1: So I feel it is if you have a absolutely healthy pelvic floor, a healthy core, and by core I mean like the diaphragm, the pelvic floor, your inner deep abdominals, and, and the back musculature, those are all healthy things. I don't feel like you need to put a lot of focus on working on your pelvic floor. However, if you have had um, pelvic pain, if you have had any type of abdominal surgery, you have had any abdominal scarring, if you've had low back pain, if you've had hip pain, if you've had a baby, C-section or vaginally, I do believe that you do need to address your pelvic floor and your core in order to get stronger. The reason being, um, just like with anything, you kind of need to set... The foundations and the basics. It's not like you would start someone in the gym and have them do a 300 pound deadlift. They're just not ready for it. They just don't know how to move their body in a way that would be strong enough to do that. The same thing with the core is you need to work on those stabilizer muscles to have a nice strong middle of your body in order to do the harder stuff even better. So, by that, I mean. The pelvic floor plays a, or the whole core, plays an important part in stabilizing the whole middle piece, because if the core was all weak, we would just fold over on ourselves. We wouldn't be able to hold ourselves up. It's kind of a vulnerable place, but it's also a place of a lot of strength. So if you're going to do exercises, whether it's jumping around, whether it's lifting weights, um, whether it's CrossFit, whether it's running, um, anything... You wanna make sure that the middle part of your body is ready to handle those types of things. So if it's not ready to handle those types of things, you run into the risks of suffering from uh, back injuries because your core isn't stabilizing that. You run the risk of hurting your pelvic floor in the form of prolapses or pelvic pain or the front of your abdominal wall uh, with what they call like ab separations or diastasis recti, because it can happen even if you haven't had children. There's all these things that you need to make sure that you're prepared in your middle in order to make your fitness stronger. I use this in my practice because I'm always working with my clients and I work specifically with um, women around the age of having children, whether it's it's pregnancy, just before, just after, in order to make sure they have a healthy middle of their body to do the things that they love to do. Because if you don't have a middle, healthy middle of your body, you're not able to... Um, pick up your kids properly. You're going to hurt yourself. You're not going to, you're not going to be able to do the things that you'd love to do, whether it's hiking or running or CrossFit or powerlifting or just being, just lifting a few weights at the gym if you're not prepared with the foundations.
0: And so you're in Canada, just like me, and I want to know, do you do in-person consultations? Do you do them online as well? Um, Let us know a little bit about what you provide in your services and any programs or anything you want to just shout out.
1: Sure. Um, I work in an online realm. I live in a very small town, so I do do one-on-ones. In person, but it's very rare because I have such a small town. I do most of my work online. I offer consultations for women's health specifically, whether you have something in mind of a specific issue that you're dealing with when it comes to your core and, and musculature and getting back to exercise or any type of public pain. I offer online consultations. If you don't know if it's for you, I offer some free consultations just to see if that's something that I can help you with versus paid consultations on the phone. And I offer, I'm actually coming out very soon with a specialized program for women, our moms specifically, with young kids to get them back to the foundation so that they're working on their core, their pelvic floor, and helping them to get back to losing the baby weight. What I find is a big gap right now in our health and wellness industry is we have a lot of these moms who are so ready to get active and lose the baby weight, and get healthy, and we throw at them all these ads about lose the baby weight, lose the mummy tummy, and we throw them into all these crazy programs when they're hurting and their bodies aren't ready to take that on. and They don't know that. So I'm I'm putting out this program really soon about um, helping them bridge that gap between being a mom to doing all the things they love to do. That in between, like period is where I'm helping them to actually figure out all the basics so that they're not hurting, so that they have a nice strong public floor and a flexible public floor so that they can just do the things they love to do.
0: Amazing. Well, I definitely think that this is going to be an amazing program. I don't think there's a lot like those out there and there's so many people who can benefit from that. Um, so yeah. that program, you'll send me the link so that I can put that in the show notes.
1: For sure. It's um, going to be Hardcore Mom Strong. you will have to check it out.
0: Awesome. I'm <laughs> excited. And you yeah. definitely got me started on doing my Kegels. I've been doing so much for the past. Thirty five minutes. <laughs> so
1: you are like, you're, like sitting in the middle of the like squeeze. Yeah. Squeeze. Can I get it? <laughs> but
0: I'll be more mindful of that. So, uh, thank you so much for coming on. I think this was a really cool conversation and topic. Um, like I said, it's not really discussed a lot, so I'm excited to share this. And I'll make sure that I share all of your links in the show notes so people can follow you and find out about your program. So thank you again.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. I love chatting with you because it was just a nice conversation to have about things that people don't usually talk about.
0: <laughs> yeah, and we have kind of similar sectors. where like in women's health and hormones and all that. So um, I definitely think there it's an easy conversation to have, especially when we kind of relate to a lot of these things. So
1: it was really cool. Oh, yeah. Cool. Thanks for having me on.